Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash W-A-N-T-P-O-W-E-R. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 79. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast today and tuning in. I decided to try something new and I can't wait to bring you in on it. I have found very interestingly, it seems very obvious now to me, honestly, but at the time I was kind of surprised to find out that many of you don't really know what coaching is. You don't really understand what it is. And maybe you resonate with all the things that I teach you on this podcast, but what do we actually do when we work together? So a while back, I reached out to the people on my list, which by the way, if you're not on my email list, you should be. So what I offered was free coaching in exchange for allowing me to publish the recording on the podcast for others to learn from and others to really understand what coaching is. So of course, we're keeping people's anonymity somewhat (laughs) covered, but not so much. The gal that you're going to hear today, her name is Erica. That really is her name. It's all the other information about hers is actually not relevant at all. So not anything that we need to know. And she is, I think, a really great representation of so many of you out there. She is a rock star mom, rock star doctor, just kind of finishing up, finishing having her family, no longer having more kids. 
and is finding that she's just not able to keep the weight off, really does want to lose the weight, kind of also doesn't want to because it seems like it would be really hard, just one other thing that she has to do. And so we really dig into that. Now, before I have you listen to our coaching call, I do want to apologize. Towards the end, we had a lot like some significant audio issues, where it wasn't even just our audio, it was our connection. So I would say something or she would say something, and then she would drop out. And then we had to reconnect and then go, okay, what were we saying? And so my podcast team, my brilliant podcast team has done their best to edit this as best as they can for that flow. I think it shouldn't really affect things too much. But if you're kind of just noticing like, wait, things seem like a little bit strange, that's part of it. So I don't think it's impacting, you know, like on the voice, they say that there are parts of the show they edited out that don't change the end result. It's basically what's going on here. So (laughs) in case you're like, what was that? Like, that's what was going on. So thank you so much to Erica for coming on for volunteering to be on the podcast. And can't wait to bring more of these for you coming forth. I am planning on doing a a number more to give you guys really a good taste of what coaching is. So can't wait to offer more of that to you. Have a great week and enjoy. Okay, here we are. All right, Erica, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast for volunteering for this. Of course. So excited for you. Okay. So we had kind of discussed earlier that you wanted to talk a little bit more about weight loss and how you end up kind of finding yourself maybe taking a couple of steps forward and then going back again. This is not how you approach the rest of your life, but in the arena of weight loss, you've really struggled with this. So what I want to start with is you just telling me all about this struggle. So in particular around weight loss, as we were talking about, I get really stuck in what I haven't been able to accomplish, what I have tried and failed at, what hasn't worked. And it seems easier to make excuses about what isn't working than to actually make change that may allow me to get to the goal that I've set, which at this point is honestly any amount of weight loss I'd be happy with. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) About how much weight do you want to lose, do you think? 40, ideally. The frustrating part is my third child was born, she's 18 months, and Mm -hmm. I got down to pre-pregnancy weight with her last summer. And um, since then have only had like an upward trajectory of about 20 pounds. So that's been the the biggest frustration of the last year. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So you had to kind of told me that you had been told that you had some negative self-talk and you were saying, I don't really think that I necessarily have a lot of negative self-talk. I think I'm kind of more of a realist. Tell me more about that, what your thoughts are about that. What is Um, real? What does that mean to you? So I think in most arenas of my life, I can tend to sort of pull back and be objective about the situation. Like at work, I have a pretty good insight into how my peers view me, how my patients view me, what my interactions are with families, good and bad. Like I'm a pretty good judge of when things didn't go right or didn't go well. I own up to things that maybe I didn't do right the first time. At home, most of it too, fairly insightful, I think in an objective way about how I interact with my husband and my kids and my family. But with weight loss, I just am stuck on fat, like the word fat, Mm. uh, feeling fat, looking fat. And I feel like a failure that I haven't been able to... My weight has only gone up since I started having kids and like never got to pre-pregnancy weight with any of them for any period of time. And so just really stuck on what hasn't worked and what 
Um, and then I eat more because it feels better. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> what do you think happened after you had kids? Why do you think that the weight has been more of a struggle with that? So I've never been a small person. My The smallest I was was end of med school, beginning of residency, I'd done Weight Watchers and lost 20 pounds. And kept it off for a few years. And of course, was then when I met my husband, gained the few usual going out to drinks and eating dinner. And the then, love pounds. <laughs> yeah, the love pounds. We, we both liked. We liked the right. yeah. So then sort of had a series of a job that was not great. Um, and it was easy to make, again, make excuses about like eating felt better than being in a job I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Then had kids. I had C-sections with all of them. And sort of a diff, like first one was labor plus C-section. So that was sort of challenging. And then pretty significant postpartum depression because breastfeeding didn't go well. So I've had some like real medical reasons why. So on various, you know, antidepressants, medications. Mm-hmm. And then like not atypical, just didn't right, get right back to the usual activities in the context of breastfeeding not going well, really struggled. And then each pregnancy was just sort of a repeat of the same. Although breastfeeding went better the last couple of times. But, and then with the last one, my weight did get down and breastfeeding was going great. And I stopped breastfeeding and then had some family stuff happen. And so just like in the context of stress, it seems like eating is what I go to. I've also had a change in my job. I'm a lot more sedentary now. So okay. I'm in clinic and I make home visits. And so I'm also on the road. And so like my lifestyle has changed and I'm just sometimes either just sitting in my desk by myself where there's food in abundance or on the road grabbing whatever meal along the way because I haven't done a lot of planning and the drive through is really easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you were to think about starting to follow some sort of eating plan to lose some weight right now, what are the first thoughts that come up for you? I've done like Weight Watchers and calorie reduction successfully in the past, but it's been a long time and I was younger and I've gone back several times and it hasn't exactly worked for me because I feel like they don't have any new tricks to teach me. (laughs) So again, though, like I think like, well, it's easier to say that Weight Watchers doesn't work than to actually do the Weight Watchers work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, like the you have a lot of insight, right? I'm like, not for me because I didn't yep. follow it, but we'll forget that part. <laughs> right, right. Love and that. then I get stuck a little bit too, and like I'm definitely. I mean, I pick from the kids' plates, and I eat kid food because we eat kid food. Mm-hmm. We live in a place where there's good restaurants, and so we go out a fair amount. And I could choose to make different choices, and I just don't at the end of a busy day. Mm-hmm. Right? So, why do you want to lose weight? So from like a purely aesthetic reason, I'm pretty vain and can't stand looking at myself in pictures. From like a much more like that motivation isn't going to get me anywhere because that doesn't exactly work. I also have a lot of clothes I can't fit into that are really cute that I'd like to fit back into. But from like a longer term and actually more medically sound and cognitively sound, I have a very strong family history of diabetes. I want to be around for my kids. I'm an older mom already. I just had my, I'm 40 and I just had my third and don't want to be diabetic at 44 like my mom was. Mm. And Why not? I Let's don't, delve into that a little bit. Why not? I don't want to worry about disease complications like later what? in life. I mean, very specifically, like mm-hmm. I don't want to have, you know, vascular disease or neuropathy or have to take medications for the rest of my life and not eat carbs and not enjoy chocolate. And I want to do that because I want to live a long life because I started later and I want to be there for my kids and my grandkids. Mm -hmm. 
And I've seen di- my mom's brother died of uh, diabetes complications a couple of years ago in his fifties. Mm-hmm. And my mom has actually managed pretty well. She's been diabetic for 20 plus years now and is not on insulin. And so she's managed pretty well, but it definitely changed things for her. And I don't, I have such terrible genetics that I, if I can own any piece of it. And then on my dad's side of family, really horrendous premature coronary disease. And um, like my younger brother was just started on antihypertensives. Like I don't want to have to deal with all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I have very, I'm an internist, right? So I have like very concrete insights and Mm -hmm. cognitions about why I want to lose the weight. Right, right. And then why don't you want to lose the weight? (laughs) I really like eating. (laughs) I really... I like cooking and that's a skill that I acquired probably in the last 10 years or so. And I actually really, I like cooking and the, I like bringing food to people. Like we have a lot of potlucks at work and I like sharing in food and I come from a family who likes to eat like all of our celebrations as many families are is around food. And I guess like nobody bats an eyelash at the fat girl going back for a second plate of food. Mm, and so... Yeah. So like, I don't know, I guess I could make a bigger impression if I all of a sudden wasn't going for the second plate of food. Um, (laughs) Also, probably nobody is paying attention or not, you know, not in the way that I think that they are. Right, right. Well, you know what I always say, I think I've said this on the podcast too, is like, we think other people are judging us for doing things, but they're not paying attention. That judgment that we are attributing to them is actually our thoughts about ourselves Right. So then we're judging ourselves for the second plate of food and going, oh my God, everybody's looking at me because I'm getting this. Like, yeah, like there's a lot of guilt about the food. I think the other emotion that I'm not accustomed to feeling is shame. Mm -hmm. And that one has been harder when I recently sort of come to realize that I actually said the words out loud to my husband because my husband has has gained essentially as much weight as I have Mm -hmm. um, in the context of our relationship and having kids. And he was very thin when we met. And he hasn't had success at weight loss either. And I said, I feel ashamed of the weight and ashamed that I'm like the fat mom to the kids. Mm -hmm. And that emotion is much harder to process because that isn't something like I don't have a lot of actions in my life that I feel ashamed of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what shame usually makes us want to do is go and hide right? It doesn't make us want to go take action and actually change anything. We're like, let me just keep this under wraps, keep up the facade. Meanwhile, you know, I'm getting eaten alive inside with this horrible shame that I feel. So what, so shame is an emotion, right? What Mm -hmm. thoughts create shame about being the overweight mom? I mean, it goes, I guess it goes back to all of the negative thoughts because I wasn't always the fat mom. I guess I looked this Mother's Day looked at pictures when I had my son and he was a baby and it was like, well, I thought I was fat then and now I weigh 30 pounds more than that. And so the shame is about like almost sort of what was lost, like what once was, Mm -hmm. I guess. And then that felt, those times felt better than sort of lugging around this body now. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Anything else about that that you think is a good idea to mention or something I should know? I as we go through this? Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, you know, there's one other thing that you mentioned before we started recording that I wanted to ask you about. And you said that you like to, you tend to ruminate a lot. Tell me more about that. Oh, I 
am an anxious person by nature, which I think I didn't rec. I think in like high school and college and performance driven times in my life manifested as perfectionism and intensity and all positive things, mm-hmm. right? Like I could turn being like being anxious and fearful of not performing turned into being very hypervigilant and really performing well. Yeah. And Which that, I think is actually really common with physicians. <laughs> of course. Right. Like I looked around and it was normative. Like to yeah. feel that way was very normal. And I wasn't even the highest achieving person around. Right. I like, right. once I got to med school, I was very much in the middle. And, but all of these things had always served me well, such that like my mom, I don't think ever in her life until the last, until I started having kids actually had any, and we're close, had any understanding of how anxious of a person I was. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know in my younger years if I could have labeled it as anxiety, yeah. to yeah. be honest. Like, I just think it was how we all were, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I really tightly wound, mm-hmm. worried about everything, but it all, it served us all well. And then when I got to my career and I, I didn't need to be so worried about performing anymore. And certainly like with, with like the years that I had before I had kids, I didn't need to be so anxious anymore. And it wasn't really serving me well, but it also didn't go away. Mm-hmm. And so then with kids, the anxiety really, you know, got worse. And so most of my ruminating is about things that cause me to be anxious. And the anxiety like just sort of spirals out of control at mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. Um, about the things that worry me. So like mm-hmm. if my husband doesn't answer his phone and he's got the kids and I yeah. text and I call. I text and I call, right? Like it's because they're off this side of the road on a highway dead somewhere, right? It's not right, because right. Okay. it's not because he just can't get to his phone because he's changing a diaper or something. You know, and I'm, <laughs> again, like my my intellect, you know, I I I have done a bit of behavioral therapy and my cognition can kick in, right? Like yeah. I can I can walk it back, but about food recently, it becomes with the well you know, keto didn't work for me. All that fat just made my reflux worse. Mm. Um, I'm never going to lose weight because I had really high hopes for this. And how am I ever going to get a handle on it? I'd rather just have a cup of coffee and and eat. And I don't care about snacking at night. I'm still going to do it. And mm. and then just the, how am I ever going to get the weight off? So, you know, weight off, I'm never going to lose it. Now we, you know, I just see obesity gets more obesity and I know what I should be doing and why can't I do what I should be doing? I've done this before. Why can't I do it now? So beating yourself up basically, right? Yeah. You're basically mentally flogging yourself. Correct. Okay. (laughs) Correct. Yes. Right. It's like, it's like like a lot of self-loathing, right? It's like, you you know, that's that shame of thinking that, you know, you're horrible. You're horrible for looking this way, eating this way, coping this way. And you don't have to feel that way about yourself in every area, right? It doesn't sound like you feel that way about yourself in terms of, you know, your work or even how you're showing up as a mom or anything. But when it comes to this part, this relationship with yourself part, that's where you struggle, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So what I want to do now is I want to help you to separate out the facts or the circumstances as we call them, the neutral facts from the thoughts here. So I'm going to help you with that a little bit. Okay. So there really are not many facts here. <laughs> and uh, as is typical, because basically what I did was I took you through a thought download. Right. And then we go back and we look at everything and we go, okay, what are the actual facts here? So one fact would be 
how much you weigh right now, which is irrelevant. That number doesn't matter right now. But right, you if you stepped on the scale yeah, right now, you'd weigh X amount, right? Like that's right. a that's a fact. You have three kids, you're married, you're an internist, right? We can we can kind of describe right. your job a little. You have a job where sometimes you're in the office and sometimes you have to drive to different places. But I but notice I wouldn't describe it as like you're sedentary in your job because that's still a qualification. That's still yeah, um, there's judgment you know, in that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. You know, your mother has diabetes. Your uncle died of diabetes recently. Your brother has high blood pressure. That is about it. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what's so great about that is being able to see like all that really is neutral, right? It's really just like, yep, these are the facts. Everything else is the story that you're choosing to tell yourself about yourself, about your life, about other people in your life, about your genetics, about everything, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it really doesn't feel like a choice. And that's why this is so powerful to go through this, right? Because we're like, no, for real, I'm fat, right? Like, it's like, no, like, (laughs) sometimes we want to argue, like, no, everyone would agree. But that is not the case. So, so, um, so sometimes when we figure out or realize that we're the ones choosing this whole experience, sometimes it's kind of liberating and we feel like, oh my gosh, that's such a relief. And maybe it isn't actually the way I think it is. Sometimes though, we feel a little bit worse because we're like, great, now it's all my fault that I feel so bad. And you know, <laughs> another thing I can beat myself up over. So tell me what your experience is of me explaining this to you. So the facts are the facts that I get. And a little bit, I had the initial response of like, great, now I have to own it. (laughs) Right? Like, yep, you just told me that those are the facts. I then make a lot of judgments and inferences and turn those into feelings about those, right? Yeah. About those facts. And now I have to own that maybe it's time to do something different. Yeah. Well, what I want, also want you to really see though, is that that is like those, you know, your, your, the meaning that you are applying to all of this in your life is making you feel ashamed, frustrated, stuck, you know, other emotions. And then you remember that thought model, which everyone who's been listening for a while knows, but I'm just going to review it again. We have our neutral circumstances and we choose thoughts about those our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings drive our actions and our actions give us our results. And so in your kind of current situation, life setup, the way that you cope with negative emotions is by doing what? Eating. Yeah, exactly. And and when I'm not eating, I'm thinking about eating or why. Like why the emotion doesn't feel better in the context of eating. Right, right. So then you eat and then the result is you gain weight and whatever it is that you were upset about or not feeling great about has still hasn't changed because you know eating the food doesn't resolve that problems, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if I could just eat some cookies and then everyone would act the way that I wanted them to, that would be brilliant. But unfortunately <laughs> not how this works. And one thing I wanted just to point out to you briefly before we move on is how you really do have these opposing desires. So you want to be healthy, right? You don't want to be sick. You don't want to have the complications of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and things like that. But at the same time, 
You want to still totally entertain yourself with food and celebrate with food and show love with food and get lots of pleasure out of eating food. And those things really do push up against one another. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. And what was really interesting is when you told me about diabetes and I was asking you, what are the complications you don't want to have or why you don't want to have diabetes? And you said, I don't want to not be able to eat carbs. I don't want to not be able to eat chocolate. And that's so interesting, right? Because you're like, hey, I don't want to have diabetes and I still want to be able to eat all the foods that I really love and make me feel good and make me feel better. Even though those probably don't go hand in hand, at least some of the time. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, I had like that overt thought the other day, like if I ever get it together and can lose this weight, like that means I have to go a really long time without chocolate. And that made me really sad. (laughs) Well, you know, I have to tell you, I just have to tell you that for me, the idea of not eating bread, like on a regular basis was like blasphemy. I was just like, I, I think I've talked about this before, but I was like, okay, I can get behind sugar, but seriously, like humans have been consuming bread from the beginning, people, come on, you know, really struggled with that. And it, it took me a while. This is what's great news. What I can just offer to you is I literally don't ever think about bread anymore. So what I'm offering to you with that is just the idea that what if you just didn't care about it? Like if you didn't care about carbs and chocolate, would it be hard to not eat carbs and chocolate? No. No. Right. So the reason you care is for a couple of reasons, right? Because you have a lot of over desire. So your desire for food is too high. Like you were saying, if I'm not eating food, then I'm thinking about food. And I'm, you know, you're probably strategizing about what you're going to be cooking next and what you'll bring to the next potluck and, you know, what you're going to do for the party and which restaurant you're going to go to next, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that creates way too much desire. Like your brain is really, really overemphasizing the importance of food for you. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, right? And so, so when you see that, you're like... Yeah, no. I mean, if this is like literally the joy I get in my life, I'm not really that interested in giving that up. So maybe I'm going to have to have some toes amputated. I don't know because <laughs> what am I going to do here? You know, like I don't get how this is going to this is going to work. But I just want to point that out because over desire is something that can be handled, right? If you like, that's the question. The the question of if you didn't really care about carbs and chocolate, would it be hard to not eat them? You know, if you didn't care about them, your desire would be low. So if your desire was low for this food and you could just enjoy everybody because you were with them and just enjoying the connection and the community and being around people and that kind of thing and not being so focused on the food, which just sits there and it's just food, it would be a different experience, right? Correct. Yeah. So it's interesting to just think about that. Like let your brain kind of marinate in that. This idea of like, what if it really (laughs) could be? Like what if I just could not eat that food and have it not be a big problem? Because I think in the past, you tell me, but what's it been like in the past when you've been on Weight Watchers and you've not been able to eat a lot of those foods? It was so long ago, like when I was successful at it, that it was it was in the height, like I was fourth year med school going into residency. So it was very, I was very goal oriented at that time. And mm-hmm. so for me then, and Weight Watchers are even more restrictive back then than it is now. Like I was looking forward to accomplishing the goal. Okay. And the 
I even would be able to like break it down into the tasks of like eating properly for the day. Mm-hmm. And I could, because the other thing that I've gotten stuck in, this is more related to the specifics about food, but the self-sabotage, like I tripped one step, so I might as well throw myself down the whole staircase. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so breakfast didn't go as planned. So today's off the table. Yeah. Right. Must got to start again tomorrow. Start again tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so, and it's really easy to do because I don't, I'm not, I don't really want to start right yet. Right. right. Like I'm not, right. I'm just not there. Like I don't, I'm not exactly. there yet. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to ask you this though. Why is it a problem to not be there? Like, do you think that when you're thin, you're going to have a different opinion of yourself? I do. I think something else will cause me anxiety. Um, So I don't pretend that like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I don't pretend that the anxiety will go away. Good. Um, I'm tired. I'm I'm in some discomfort on account of my size right now too. Okay. Like plantar fasciitis that I didn't have before, some knee pain, back pain. I did treat myself to a Pilates club membership for my 40th birthday and have been going with some regularity since then. And despite not losing any weight, which was not my goal, obviously going there, um, my body feels better. Mm -hmm. And so I am like at least getting a handle on feeling better in the space that I occupy right now, the physical space that I am. But I think like I'm tired of looking in the mirror and like wanting to pull my neck back. Like Mm -hmm. I just see it in my face. I look a lot like my mom who fortunately has aged quite well, but I literally look in the mirror and see my mother because she's always been overweight. And this is the first time in our lives when she, she is, and she's actually weighs less than I do right, mm-hmm. right now. And so I do think that I will, I would think that my thought about myself could potentially be less stuck in the negative. I also think that if I physically feel better, there'd be less to be negative about. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's so interesting, right? It's because this is how most people think. We're like, no, what I, when I get thinner, like then I'll have a better, I'll think differently about myself, right? I'll think, oh, I did something nice for myself. I, I'm taking care of myself, right? And all of those thoughts are available to you now. You could think about that in, related, in relation to you going to your Pilates classes, which it sounds like you do somewhat, but still the idea yeah. of, you know, I shouldn't weigh this much. I look like my mother. That's a whole other thing that we could, that's a whole other call, right? What, what does it mean that you look like your mother? We won't go there today. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, that's like, don't yes. do something else. But, but that, and that's- so I am sort of consciously aware that those thoughts are available to me now. And like, mm-hmm. I, it's not like I've thrown my hands up in the air, right? Yeah, like yeah. I have bought decent clothing that fits my size. I put makeup on, I get my hair colored. I mean, I, mm-hmm. so I feel like as far as like being very superficial about what the weight means, I'm doing what I have access to at Mint, mm-hmm. like the best that I can, I guess. Yeah. I just really would love to see myself in different size clothing. Mm. <laughs> and and the reason why is because of why. Why would you love to see yourself in different size clothing? So it goes back to sort of the vain answer and the less vain answer. Like the vain answer, which is the... I just kind of like the way I look with less weight on my bones, right? And then the not vain answer of like, I want to be able to keep up with my kids. I want to set a really good example for my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to struggle with their weight. I don't want my kids to have crazy thoughts about food that I can already see happening. Mm-hmm. I grew up, your um, podcast about this scarcity model really hit home for me. I, I grew up in a house where like our after school snacks were kept in like locked bags so we could mm-hmm. only have access to one. 
Mm-hmm. My mom didn't want us to struggle with our weight. So we had like no soda, no candy, no chips. And so like I was a kid who ran to the candy aisle in every field trip, right? Yeah. Because like I didn't have access to it. Yeah, Dessert was like canned fruit at mm-hmm. grandma's house. <laughs> and so like when you were talking about like this, like, I feel it with me now. Like even like when I'm out on the road, like in between visits, ooh, Starbucks drive throughs right there. I'm going to go get mm-hmm. myself a whatever, yeah. you know? That's how I used to get through call on the weekend. Like, what? It's like, how bad of a call was it based on how many times I went through the Starbucks drive through <laughs> Right. Right. And so when you're speaking about that scarcity model, I feel like even though nothing in my life really is scarce right now, I like strive to the thinking of like, oh, maybe this piece of chocolate is going to be my last piece of chocolate. Yes. Right. It's like still deep down, there's still kind of this belief, like this is my one chance. This is my chance to get it. Just like when you're on the field trip, right into the candy aisle and right, like, Ooh, it's here. I might not have something in 20 minutes, you know? And I mean, I'm telling you the scarcity stuff is some of the best work you can do. I still work on it with myself. It's gotten so much better, but it's, especially when it's something that's been ingrained in you from childhood, it's something you have to always be aware of and paying attention to. And when your brain goes, Ooh, look, there's a Starbucks drive-through. You're like, yeah, cool. That's cool. But actually I'm good right now. Let me actually just see, does my body actually need food? Probably not most of the time. Right. But I wanted to circle back really quickly to, right. you're talking about the vein answer and the non-vein answer. And really what it comes down to is because you'll feel better, right? Like if you lose the weight, you'll feel better. You'll physically feel better. Probably, maybe, maybe not. We don't know for sure. Like maybe some of those ailments will go away, but also emotionally, you're going to feel better, right? You're going to feel like from the vanity perspective, you'll be like, well, I look really nice. I'm so glad I'm doing this. And then from the non-vain answer, as you put it, right? The just knowing like, okay, I'm doing everything I can to keep myself healthy for the long term. So it's just important to remember that the only reason we ever want anything is because of how we think it'll make us feel. So as you know, we think we'll feel better. Like, why do we want our kids to be okay? Because if they're okay, then we're okay. Right? You know, like, why do you have a lot of thoughts that make you feel anxious when your husband doesn't answer the text? Because, right, then you're like, no, but if something happened to them, then I would feel bad and I don't want to feel bad. Right? So it's so, I mean, it's literally anything... (laughs) <laughs> it's like, why do we want to save the whales? Because when the whales die, we feel bad and we want to feel right. good. Like that's like, it always <laughs> comes back to that with like anything. So it's always interesting to, to kind of think like, why is it that I even want that? Like, oh, because I want to feel better. Well, the good news is, is that's available to me now just by changing my thinking. Like nothing on the outside has to change. Like you don't actually have to get the text back from the husband. And like you said, you know, you're able to cognitively rationally go like, okay, everything is fine. There's lots of other reasons he might not be responding or things like that. And, you know, I think, I think with anxiety, sometimes it's helpful to just recognize that that's a very primitive part of your brain that just wants your children and your family, like your tribe, your people to, to survive because that propagates the species. And without that drive, we probably wouldn't be here today as humans, right? So, so when your brain offers that up, it's the idea of, of course, my brain is, you know, making me feel anxious about this because the safety and health of my family is important to me. That doesn't mean though that something bad has actually happened, right? So that's like a way of going, okay. Like what we usually say with something like this, someone who has anxiety is you put actually anxiety on this, on the circumstance line. Like we can call that a circumstance, like you have anxiety and then it's what you think about the fact that you have anxiety. 
right? You can be like, yeah, so I have a lot of anxious thoughts and I feel anxious a lot. That's cool because I can feel anxious versus like, no, something really bad's going to happen. Like where you're believing the whole thing. You see that difference? Yeah. 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 So I want to look at the thought, it's easy for me to make excuses and then not follow through. Let's do that one. So when you have that thought, so the circumstance here is weight loss attempts, right? So very neutral, just times you've tried to lose weight. And then your thought is, it's easy for me to make excuses and not follow the plan. When you think that, how do you feel? So it did take me a second to think there's a couple. I think one is like, one is I think the, and the reason why I think I come back to these feelings is because I I feel an element of relief. Mm. Like I don't have to do it then. If I can't do it, I have to do it. And I don't want to do it right now. It's too hard. And if I just like blame it on whatever in the world that is going wrong, that's not allowing me to sort of make these changes, then I'm relieved of that responsibility. Mm -hmm. But then not accomplishing it or not being able to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's touch in onto the relief first, because I think that one's actually really interesting because I think it's what ends up happening then is, right, we have our circumstance of weight loss attempts. And then your thought is it's easy for me to make excuses and not follow the plan then you have the feeling of sort of being relieved, right? Sort of like you're let off the hook in terms of of having to follow the plan. And then what that feeling creates actually is making excuses and not following the plan, right? That's the action on that model. And then the result is gain weight. It continues to be easy to make excuses to not follow the plan, which is kind of what you don't want, right? Not kind of, it isn't what you want. Right. right? Yeah. Right. So that's what's so fascinating about the model, right? You can see how it really is like, no, but I'm just conveying the news. I'm just letting you know, it's really easy for me to make these excuses to not follow the plan. But what that thought and that belief about yourself creates is more of what you already have, which is what you don't want. Correct. Interesting, right? It's really interesting to see that. So in just the last couple... how do I guess... So I I don't, and maybe you're going to get to this, but like that feeling of relief, like being relieved of the duty or responsibility Mm -hmm. to have to make change feels easier. Yeah. Right. 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 So, so, so it feels easier to not do that because it is right. It's easier to just make those excuses. And, but regardless of it being easier or not, it's still giving you the result of not following the plan. Right. So this is kind of what we sometimes talk about. It's like, do you want easy, hard or hard, easy, right? If you hit the easy button in the short term, you get the hard button in the long term. Right. So that's your diabetes. That's your, you know, like your conflict with your vanity beliefs, you know, not keeping up with the kids. That's the hard later. If you pick hard now, which is like, it's totally easy to make excuses, except today I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm going to follow my plan. That's hard now, but the long term is easier in the sense Mm -hmm. that, you know, physically you feel better. You're building up that relationship with yourself, which is so important, meaning that you do what you say you're going to do no matter what. You know, you've always got your back. Like you don't have that right now, right? If you say you're going to do something for yourself, it's very likely it won't happen. I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, not like that at all in other areas of your life. This is exactly how I was. I'm like, oh no, I'm incredibly responsible to everybody. But to me, like, eh, maybe I'll do it. You know, it's possible, but probably not. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> and so like, that's totally fine, but you just have to own it. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not accountable to myself. That's totally my thing that I need to work on. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, just to share this with you, 
if I had to sum up, if someone said was the number one thing you had to learn or work on to make it so you could lose weight and keep it off, by far, it was my relationship with myself. And the great news is about that is that you can start building that up in other ways that aren't even related to weight loss, if that's something that you want to do, right? If you're kind of like, yeah, I'm just not in a place where I really want to focus on the food, you can instead go, okay, but I'm going to commit to going to Pilates twice a week. And no matter what, I'm going to do that. And if for some reason I can't, then this is, the, you know, then I'm going to walk for 30 minutes, you know, or whatever, right? Like you could, you're like, I will do mm-hmm. this. And there's nothing that will happen that will be an excuse because I've got me. And I do what I say I'm going to do. And then you build up that evidence for yourself. Well, yeah, I said I was going to do that. And look, it's been months and I'm actually doing that. I'm actually doing what I said I was going to do. Like maybe I should try that with like drinking enough water, maybe not drinking as you know many Starbucks in the day and instead doing some water or something, right? I mean, just making that up. But, but then it's like, okay, yeah, look, I've committed to that. And even when it was hard and I really didn't want to do it, I didn't expect myself to feel like doing it. I just did what I said I was going to do because that's the person that I'm creating, right? That's uh, the... For me, what really helped me was thinking about it in terms of being in integrity with myself, right? Like identifying as somebody who's not in integrity with themselves is not something that I was like open to, you know what I mean? I wasn't like, yeah, I'm totally okay that I'm not a person of integrity, you know? Like I was like, yeah, that's not okay. (laughs) And once I really saw that I wasn't living in integrity with myself... When I wasn't following through, I was like, oh, well, okay, yeah, that's not because I would beat myself up, but because that's just not who I'm trying to be in this world, right? Like, I'm somebody who's just trying to live in integrity, right? So then it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know, I said I was just going to have one cupcake. I'm going to just have the one and deal with the urges to have more afterward, even though nobody would really notice that the overweight girl's going and getting a second one. I'm going to deal with that discomfort now to have the, you know, the good feelings later of I did what I said I was going to do. I'm building up that relationship with myself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It really, it's really, really powerful when you start kind of delving into it because you do have a good relationship with yourself. You say you're going to take care of your kids and you do it. You say you're going to go to work every day and you do it right? There's lots of things that you do where you do have your back. You're like, yeah, I want to show up and be a good employee. So I'm going to go to work and do my job, right? So so it's not like your entire relationship with yourself is awful. It's just that you have to kind of see where you're doing a good job of it and then extrapolate that to other areas where you're, you're struggling a little bit more. And so just to like a circle back around to this this model, you know, we can change the model, like, you know, weight loss attempts. And we can, you know, instead of thinking it's easy to make excuses to not follow my plan, we don't have to be like, I hate making excuses to follow my plan or something that isn't, you know, believable at all. But instead, your new thought might be something like, I'm learning how to not make excuses to not follow my plan. Right. So it's, it's, it's much more like growth mindset in the sense of you're going, you know, I think there's a possibility that I might be able to learn how to not always make excuses to not follow my eating plan. If you have that thought, what emotion do you get from that? I guess I want to say almost like anticipation. Okay. Sort of to see if I can do it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Wanting to see if I can, like, right. Yeah. Kind of excited and fulfilling a positive change. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so when you have that emotion, what action would you take? Would you go and eat off plan all the time? No. No. What would you do? 
for like a very concrete, like I would bring my food to work from home. Yeah. Right. And or, you know, another thing might be, you would be working on figuring out how to not make excuses, right? You go, maybe I should spend some time actually thinking about what are my excuses? What are the obstacles and what are the solutions? right? Like something that does drive you forward. So then the result for that, whether you lose weight or not, right, you're still learning. It doesn't have to be like, then I drop, you know, 25 pounds, like (laughs) that would be nice. But the result here, what we're wanting is for you to learn how to not have the excuses determine what you do, right? Mm -hmm. For you to instead be more deliberate in what you're going to do and doing what you say you're going to do. And that's what, you know, a thought like that can do. Now that thought, you know, I, I, for the sake of time, I kind of gave you that thought, but, but that's available to you, you know, to kind of come up with something else. Like maybe there's a different thought that you like better, but then when you see, yeah, that is the result that I want, then you intentionally and on purpose think that thought to yourself. So you start your day with that thought and then you know, whenever there's kind of a situation coming up or you notice, you know, you're staying aware of your thinking and you notice your brain making excuses. Okay, no, but I'm working on learning how to not have excuses drive my actions. You know, okay, so let me pay attention. What is that excuse coming from? Is it because I'm actually like, what else is going on for me? What other emotions am I having? Why is that excuse? Is the excuse just me wanting to hit the easy button? Like what, you know what I mean? Like just really being curious and open to learning more about yourself, not thinking that you know everything about yourself can really be powerful. And you can have some really big breakthroughs as to what's going on with this whole this whole issue here, you know, so you can start making progress in whatever way that ends up being. I always tell my clients, you don't have to lose weight if you don't want to, but for God's sake, if you're going to stay overweight, then stop hating yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Learn to actually love yourself at that weight and just own it. Yeah. I want to be heavy. I want to eat this way. Cool. And I love myself anyway, and I have an amazing life. Right. But that's not how it is for most of us. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. So it's like, but then we're like, no, but then I'll lose weight. Then I'll feel good about myself. But if you're an excellent self-beater upper, you're going to do the same thing when you're, when you're thin too. That's not going to change unless we spend active time um, changing that. People talk about having to love yourself thin. It's kind of the same thing. Like you have to learn to love yourself now. You have to learn to not beat yourself up now so that you can actually lose the weight. And then you also are not beating yourself up when you are down at your goal weight. So this is, you know, we just touched on on lots of really great topics and really a short amount of time. But that is basically that skill where you you do your thought download, you pull out what the facts are, you pull out a thought. Here I just pulled out that one thought you told me it's easy to make excuses not to not follow my plan. And then you can see what that result is. And you can do that with any thought you have, any and every thought in there to see what the results are. You start really getting to understand what's going on for you. And, um, you know, and that, I mean, that's what I work with my clients on, obviously, in, in my groups and everything with some help, but something that you're able to do on your own too, to really figure out what, what it is that's holding you back, like why you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Erica. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was super fun. Thank you. Yeah. And hopefully this will will help you to move forward in your, and get you unstuck as you move forward. Thank you. You are so welcome. All right. Take care, Erica. Bye. Bye. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.